Michael Swickard here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico. We're sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company in Las Cruces. Our award-winning Hatch Green and Red Chili, which is very good, is from locally owned farms in Hatch, New Mexico, which you know is the chili capital of the world. Today is World Green and Red Chili Day. It runs January 1st to December 31st every year. You see, every day is Chili Day. Now, last Monday, I wrote about some lost gold coins up by Blanco, New Mexico. That's over there by Bloomfield. <clears throat> they still have not been discovered and recovered. Gold coins just sitting there waiting for someone to find them, though they've been that way for about 150 years. This caused several listeners to send their lost gold stories. It reminds me of a Mark Twain novel, 1892, The American Claimant, where Mulberry Sellers had a line that maybe you've even said. It was about California. There's gold in them dollar hills. There's millions in it. And basically, that was true about California and their gold fields. It also might be true about the gold in the hills of New Mexico. It, it could be. You see, there's many legends of found gold mines that for one reason or another were lost and never found again. It's all up there in the hills just waiting for you. Gold, gold. So there's supposedly gold sitting in the hills of New Mexico just waiting for someone to find it again. As a young boy, I read about the lost New Mexico gold area. It was kind of near Reserve, New Mexico, on the southwest corner of New Mexico. It was J. Frank Doby's Apache Gold and Yaqui Silver. I read that in about 1965. I, I had most of his 26 books that he's written in his lifetime, and I've liked them. I was 15 at the time. I dreamed that there was this never-yet-found gold somewhere on my grandfather's ranch, 16 miles south of Carrizoza, New Mexico. But, as you can probably tell, it never happened. I looked diligently for it for quite a while. The Lost Adams Diggings is a story about lots and lots of gold found and mined for a small amount of time, and then the miners were almost all killed, but a couple of them got away, and years later they tried to find the mine again, but they couldn't. The gold area, it appears, was worked when the Spanish ran New Mexico about 1700, and then they left the gold fields for whatever reason, and they even left a Spanish cannon up there. The story was somewhat told as a novel and then a movie, the, the novel by Will Henry. His real name, I think, was Heck Allen. It was published in 1963 and contained the legend of the Lost Adams Diggings. It's an old legend of fortune in gold and a canyon of gold. It's guarded by Apache spirits in southwestern New Mexico. The movie... McKenna's Gold was made with an all-star cast starring Gregory Peck, Omar Sharif, Telly Savalas, Keenan Wynn, Lee J. Cobb, Raymond Massey, Burgess Meredith, Edward G. Robinson, Eli Wallach, and many others. New Mexico sat up, most of the New Mexicans sat up and took notice with the novel and that, the uh, movie. 
And I'll speak to this in greater depth next Wednesday when I concentrate on New Mexico people. Stay tuned for that. Michael Swickert here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company. Hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. I just want to mention that the annual Albuquerque International Balloon Fiesta is in full swing in Albuquerque. It ends Sunday the 15th, so there's still time to go up and see some hot air balloons. Boy, there is lots of them. This is the 51st Fiesta, and as chance would have it, I was at the first and the second Albuquerque Balloon Fiesta, which was in February 72 and then 73. In February of 73, I was working for KOB-TV. Um, it was moved to October, but originally was a February fiesta. I believe there were nine balloons the first year and 13 the second. That second year, I helped crew a balloon from Canada. For the longest time, it seemed that the balloon fiesta was the driving force for Kodak color film being sold and processed in our little slice of paradise. I certainly have many pictures, and now that everything's electronic, you can take even more pictures and videos. From a very small beginnings in the early 1970, over the 51 years, it's become an international event, and it has the same time as the uh, Hatch Fiesta, Chili Fiesta, which started in 72 also. Kind of some sad news, though, I need to talk about yesterday and today. It was at this time in 1997 that people were saddened to learn that folk musician, the one known as John Denver, was killed in an airplane accident at age 53. I was one of the people saddened because I really appreciated his talent and I even sang some of his songs. He was listed as being born in Roswell, New Mexico. Actually, it was Walker Air Force Base, right south of Roswell by a mile or so. He was born New Year's Eve, 1943, so he's a New Mexico person. Me, I was born a few years later at Holloman Air Force Base next to Alamogordo. So they say I was born in Alamogordo. No, it was Holloman Air Force Base. And we both, as youngsters, moved many times because every few years, our fathers were transferred to a different Air Force base. He's a great guitar player and songwriter. Me, I wrote a few songs, played guitar, but I had enormous interest in performing as a folk musician and just barely moderate talent at best, is that. So he was the really talented one. Now, what about the name John Denver? Well, now he started his life with the name Henry John Duschendorf, the son of Army Air Corps Colonel Henry John Duschendorf Sr., who was a pilot and had command responsibilities at Walker Air Force Base at the time of his birth. When John started his music career, the dean of folk music at the time in California, a guy by the name of Randy Sparks, I had a bunch of his albums, appreciated his talent and told him that Henry John Duschendorf Jr., was just a little bit too long to be putting on theater signs. He should pick a shorter name. Now, one thing about his love of the California ma mountains came out, and it caused him to select the name Denver, John Denver. He even moved from Minnesota to Colorado, where he lived the rest of his life. Like his father, he was a pilot, and uh, he was killed in an airplane he had just bought. It is sad, gone too soon. Michael Swickert here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, sponsored by the Fresh Chili Company. 
you can hit subscribe to automatically get these podcasts. I was talking the other day about small New Mexico towns and was asked if I'd ever been in the New Mexico town of Toadlina. Yes, I said Toadlina. Nope, I did some work 10 miles east of Toadlina for the school system in Newcomb, New Mexico, which is about 60 miles north of Gallup. But I never went on that little road out to the Toadlina trading post. It's quite famous. I just, I would work all day and then I had to get to the wherever I was going next and never did get out there. Navajo rug trader Mark Winter was the one who reopened the Toadlina trading post in the summer of 1997. He negotiated with the, the local tribe for the permit and did extensive remodeling. And he did so to produce the original look and character of the original trading post building. Now for the last 26 years, it has served the needs of the local residents in that area, has groceries and propane along with being the local bank and also the local post office. And to support all this good for the local community, it is a destination for tourists who really embrace the local culture. And so they turn at Newcomb and come on out. Tourists really like the authentic nature of the silver and turquoise jewelry, the tapestries, and especially the authentically woven rugs. There's a lot of artisans there who weave rugs. In this part of northwestern New Mexico, the trading post looks much like it did 100 years ago, and it works with a number of weavers from the seven trading posts and areas so that when the sheep are sheared and the wool is ready for weaving, these artisans go to work much like their uh, relatives did years and years ago. Unlike some other areas of New Mexico, and I'm not telling any stories out of school, which offer what appears to be uh, authentic rugs and jewelry, how shall I say? Um, Some of these might not have the background of real authentic goods, but I can tell you there is no question that the artistry and ability of these artisans there are in a class of their own. It's worth a trip 60 miles north to uh, of Gallup to Toadlina. So there's a town you can, you can look for. Michael Swickard here with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico. Hit subscribe if you want to get these podcasts. Now, one thing visitors to our area notice are the very vast pecan orchards. Miles and miles of pecan trees that each year bring in about $190 million to the economy. But these pecan trees, you should know, are not native to New Mexico. But they, the pecan trees really appreciate the New Mexico weather, as do I, since some of these varieties need about 200 days without frost. So do I. Uh, same is true of the chili which is what I think about a lot of the time. It it does real good between frosts, and it likes to have that 200 days or more of no frost. Uh, And that's, that's one thing that I think about a lot. Some of the original pecan trees that were brought to our area are still alive even today. In fact, the one considered the largest pecan tree in the state grows near Mesilla, uh, Mesilla, New Mexico. Now, Dr. Fabian Garcia, you'll see the Garcia uh, 
uh, Research Center and Garcia Hall. There's two of them on the campus. Well, he was the head of the Agricultural Experiment Station in 1913, and he worked with chili. He did, worked with onions and with cotton, and especially he worked with pecans. He saw their commercial um, the the potential there. Four acres were planted back then with these trees, and when they were successful, more followed. The late Stallman, Dean Stallman started with 30 acres on Snow Ranch Road south of Las Cruces. In uh, 1934 and 1935, he started planting. Now it's miles and miles. And every so often you see a new field of pecan trees that's popping up. It was all because in the 1960s, other farmers saw the returns from the Stallman's productive trees and said, hey, I'd like some of that too. New Mexico pecans go all over the world, and the demand for pecans is on the increase. There are three shelling plants to work with the pecans in the western states. California has one, Arizona has one, and Las Cruces has one. And you know something that's interesting, because Mexico does a lot of pecans. There's another shelling plant in Juarez, Mexico. Right now, there's more than 60,000 pecans in the western part of our country. Boy, that makes me hungry, thinking about chili and onions and pecans uh, that come from our growing area. I really appreciate the generations of farmers in Hatch, New Mexico, that have enabled chili with an E to be a household taste. Now, speaking of sun-dried Hatch red chili, it's one of the best tastes at the Fresh Chili Company. Now, with it getting more into the fall, and don't you have that feeling it would be nice to have a big pot of pozole? Well, if you are making pasale, the sun-dried hatch red chili is what brings out the best taste of New Mexico. And the Fresh Chili Company has a new product that I will attest to. It can take a good hot dog and make it extraordinarily great. It's a taste sensation that combines mustard, yellow mustard, pickle relish, medium heat jalapenos, don't be afraid of them, they're just medium heat, and sweet onions. Oh, I like those sweet onions. The condiment in a jar has a lot of flavor and has got a nice kick to it, and you will get the name at the Fresh Chili Company. It's called Hatch Jalapeno Mustard Relish. One more thing that's great about the Fresh Chili Company, it has freeze-dried Hatch Green Chili in 3, 6, and 12 packs. What I like about the freeze-dried is there's no refrigeration needed. It's convenient, especially if you're hiking somewhere. You're going to make a little stew once you get there. It really takes the flavors of dips and sauces and stews to the max. It really does. One thing that happens when people live in Las Cruces or they come here, they can come by the Fresh Chili Company's gift shop at 1160 El Paseo Road, Suite D7. It's open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. You can come by the Fresh Chili Company's gift shop. There's a big sign over the entrance. You can see it from El Paseo, and it says, The Fresh Chili Company. This is Michael Swickard with Enchanting Stories of New Mexico, brought to you by the Fresh Chili Company. Thank you for your time today. We'll always have lots of news and stories about New Mexico on these podcasts. If you have something or someone you'd like me to talk about, write to michael at freshchilico.com. 
Michael at FreshChiliCo.com. Have a great rest of your day. Oh, yes, and eat plenty of that good Hatch Valley chili. Like I always say, some chili is good and more is better as long as it's Hatch Valley chili. Bye for now.